Welcome to Zero Ambitions Podcast. I'm Sarah Edmonds. This week, I had the absolute pleasure to speak to Charlotte Bailey from Civic Square in Birmingham. Now, a couple of episodes ago, we spoke to Emmy Core from Civic Square also about their work in Birmingham, but also about the Retrofit Reimagined Festival that happened just a couple of weeks ago in Birmingham. Now, this was part of a bigger programme of events curated and hosted by Civic Square um, around the ideas of regenerating neighbourhoods. Charlotte and I discuss how do we value approaches beyond the technical responses to problem solving in the built environment. It's a really interesting listen. It's a little bit different, but I hope you really enjoy it. What you'll also hear is this lovely scattering of smaller interviews that Charlotte hosted throughout the festival from different participants and different audience members. And they make for really enriching listening to give you a real sense of what the festival was like. We'll put in the show notes a little bit more about the festival so you can read up on it, but essentially just go out and have a look at all of the work that groups such as Civic Square, Dark Matter Labs, Architects Climate Action Network, John Christopher, is like the list goes on. There's a huge, huge number of participants and it was an absolute joy to be part of. So really hope you enjoy this podcast episode. So yeah, uh, who are you and what are you doing here and uh, what has surprised you about the day? Ooh, big questions. Uh, I'm Imi, I am from People Powered Retrofit. Um, I'm the operations manager there. So I really came down just to get a good idea of what people are talking about, what's going on. Um, I'm really nosy and um, super interested in everything all the time. So for me, this is the perfect place because you can walk up to somebody and just have like the most in-depth conversation about often quite controversial topics and people don't look at you like you're a lunatic and I think that's the best the best environment to be in um, something that surprised me um, to be if, to be honest it was it's probably similar to what Sophie just said then um, which is that there was there are so many architects here I think it sounds really awful but I've always had a bit of a, a view of what architects are like um, I did my master's degree at the Centre for Alternative Technology where um, the architects that were kind of on my course were always a little bit edgy and they were always like, yeah, we're the kind of like edgy outliers. So in my head, you know, architects have always been this quite sort of, you know, and I'm sure a lot of them are very principled and not that people aren't principled. I feel like I'm tying myself up in knots. Um, But the point is, is that it feels like there's a lot of movement, a lot of um, energy and that was sort of not what I was expecting from this set of people essentially which sounds awful but you know you do get an idea in your head of what people are going to be like Um, and yeah every conversation I've had there's people that are are really just trying to look for ways to to do something to try something out and um, I feel like there's a lot of listening and learning which you don't often get in other spaces and so that's something that's really surprised me but also uh, yeah I've really enjoyed that that vibe mm-hmm. a lot so. of people have said that that they're surprised by the community and the care yeah which has been like I don't mean it in a bad way it's like, <laughs> no no <laughs> no it's, it's, you know that says something about the industry on the outside Absolutely. and how it can be and how it is moving that's, yeah that speaks to that the movement side of it yeah I really really like I mean we, we work at people power retrofit and um, you know often it, it not that it feels insular but sometimes it feels like there's only kind of us working at a particular pace and then to come here and see wow there are really people that are really trying to push things forward and they're really trying to make those connections and they really want to work with others to kind of build a momentum and like yeah it's such a nice feeling to be part of that just really inspiring yeah I'm gonna go back to work on Monday being like oh there's so much more we can do 
energized. Energized. Yeah. <laughs> Gear shift. Exactly. So, so yeah. Have you have you um, what have you picked up as well? What are you taking with you on Monday? <laughs> um, I'm definitely. Do you know what? I'm definitely taking that. There's a lot more support in the network out there. That there are people that you can reach out to. There are people you can have conversations with. There are people that um, are looking for to forge those links. I think that's something that people at Retrofit we want to try and do more of. And for me, I mean, my role there is operations manager. So I often don't. I, I work very much with the organisation and building that up. So I don't often get an external look at things. But actually, there's a lot of people here with, you know, huge amounts of knowledge that I can draw on, and it feels like they're happy to support that and they want to be involved in that, and so that feels nice. So that's sort of what I'm taking away. It's great. It's so good that you don't feel alone. I'm <laughs> you alone. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, would you like anyone to get in touch with you? And if so, how would they? Anyone can get in touch with us. If you know, it, you know, we we want to learn more about what people are doing out there. And yeah, so my email address is Imogen at retrofit.coop. Um, LinkedIn, or you can contact us through Twitter, or you can con- just. There are so many ways these days, aren't there, to get in touch, and we're always open for conversations. We're we're very busy, and we'll try our best to get in touch, just get back to you as quickly as possible. But yeah, please do reach out. People power retrofit. Absolutely, people power retrofit. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Well, hello there. Yeah, welcome. Uh, My name is Tukia, and I'm a climate um, activist, uh, Birmingham Friends of the Earth, and also Footsteps, which is Face for Low Carbon Future. Uh, yeah, what brought me here is, um, it's, it's a hard one, I think it's just like a calling, it's like it's my love for like everything, for everything and kind of learning um, and what surprised, what surprised me, I think nothing really surprised me uh, uh, more, uh, but if there was anything that surprised me was the fact that kind of it reiterates what, what I'm already learning is the fact that if you can create the environment like you know I mean civic square you know what can I say people are listening now on there where have you guys been like civic square is the place like go on their on their on their website and like find out more about them because they're doing some fantastic inspirational work in the whole and they're gonna hopefully inspire you can see my enthusiasm hope you guys listening can feel it civic square that's yeah, I've said it a few times now so there you go uh, yeah it's a fact that if you create the right environment yeah for for people to flourish to people to express themselves to share then really value yeah is everyone's got value but what you need yeah is the right environment human dignity and shared learning and knowledge and what we learned here is that knowledge doesn't belong with like these experts and tough knowledge should be available for you know for uh, like for everyone and we're always learning all the time as well so yeah so that's what that's what i kind of learned out there yeah yeah thank you beautiful thank you very much and um, is there would you yeah. want to be contacted at all and if so how can people reach you friends yeah, of the earth yeah or? so yeah birmingham friends of the earth yeah so birmingham so yeah we're on we're on um we have a website that can just google us um so if you're based in birmingham and if you'd like to volunteer it's a great opportunity on there we do like nature campaign lo- lobbying councils like you know we, at the moment we're looking we're looking for like a student who's interested in video and youtube making so we can offer like experiences and skills for that please get in touch on the on our website that email address um and yeah just can just you know I, I would say i'm just like one of you guys i'm just an ordinary person just like you know if you just do walking like find your passion and like just put yourself out there make new friends and like you know just learn something new enjoy have fun it's really fun it's really cool like yeah that's all i gotta say perfect thank you charlotte bailey who are you and what are you doing with civic square 
I am a dream matter storyteller at Civic Square, which I usually tell people I'm a visual storyteller and host because that sums up what I actually do <laughs> okay. pretty nicely. Dream matter storyteller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can thank Bing for that title. So it's because it starts a conversation, like the role in itself. A lot of the uh, work we've been doing recently is about the roles we play and the roles we'll take on in order to deal with everything that's going on. So as a storyteller is pretty self-explanatory, mm. creating invitations for people to have these conversations and to enter the space so that they feel welcome, so that they feel like they belong in the space. And um, and also sharing the tools and resources. It's all about um, open source knowledge. So that's the storytelling part is, is pretty self-explanatory. The um, dream part speaks to the different layers that we need to acknowledge in order to make these changes. So we have the um, everyday matter, which is the, um, you know, the lamppost, the t- you know, the, the actual physical space. You know, you came to the festival, there's that massive tent, you had food, you had drink, you had um, a schedule. So these are the everyday things, like tangible things that you you probably don't even think about, you know, you're not really, you know, thanking the, the space, but it's there. Um, and the dark matter is the intangible systems underlying it. So those are the um, things like, in my context as a dream storyteller, it's my, it's my, it's my contract. It's the flexibility I have in my role or um, just the intangible things like land contracts. Mm and laws around things mm-hmm. and regulations around things how much freedom you have to do anything what mm-hmm. you're limited by so that's the dark matter that you need to talk about in order to you know enable you to do anything enable to even imagine anything and then you have the dream matter which is the vision and the hope and the dreams mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the thing that um you know, it's how we're gonna. It's how we're gonna do that. It's how we're gonna do anything. It's we need to be able to see it first, or to feel that it's possible. So, as a dream matter storyteller, I'm I'm interested in figuring out who's already, you know, doing the things that is getting us into the future, and then championing, championing, championing them, and bringing them into the conversation with people who want to and need to hear from them I'm so like you talk earlier about being energized and just what you've explained there like just you know reminds me of all of that energy that we experienced last week in in Birmingham because um I think that's quite right I feel a frustration since since retrofit reimagined I feel like a frustration in some of the spheres of um the work that I do which I think I've always felt and just didn't know really how to maybe properly name or or locate but we do spend a lot of time when you're in the specifics of an industry so let's talk about the construction industry or the built environment we do spend an awful lot of time and energy talking about and debating the dark matter 
which is important. So we talk a lot about regulations and we talk a lot about standards and we talk about, um, you know, what does the law say and what are we allowed to do and what within these given parameters of, of this current situation, how can we act within that or how do we make those changes within that? And I think it's, 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 it's valid because by exploring that dark matter, you can see maybe where there are points to put more pressure to bring about a bigger change. But I think what we could all benefit from is also participating in discussing and exploring the dream matter far more because if we spend too long in the dark matter, like kicking around the the, the standards or whose technocratic response is right here or which solution for this bit works best and how can we improve that bit without thinking bigger and wider um, it's going to be such a slow and painful process and everybody's going to get really ground down and I think one of the things that led me to work with both feet in completely with Civic Square um, and um, and play a part in in seeing the Retrofit Reimagined Festival come together was that question of if we all know in the climate activism sphere within the built environment that 1.5 degrees of heating, of global heating, is already built in and we're not going to get to even maintain two degrees of heating and, and we know all of that, what then? What then? And why are we continuing to have a conversation in a set of structures that doesn't even exist and isn't even going to play out? Why are we doing that when we should be thinking much, much bigger? And I know it's scary sometimes to think, oh my goodness, but if the worst case scenario is even going to be bigger than that, then this is the point of the dream matter so that we can kind of say, well, what does it look like? What does adaptation look like? What does mitigation look like? How can we like see how broad we could be throwing the net? And to, I'm pulling back all sorts of little sound bites from people through the week. And one of them was uh, Chris Kerr saying, we need to adopt an abundance mentality. And mm-hmm. it's all of those things that I think we do ourselves a disservice as humans, as people trying to work together to close our minds off from dream matter and not just be kicking around in 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 the dark matter. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good to hear you like remind us of that, <laughs> the importance mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, and you know, it's um, it's not easy. Like, not everyone has the capacity to to be in the dream matters and to do that. And um, Adrian Marie Brown talks about how our imagination has been, you know, colonized a little bit and where we, how we live in it, and how some people can and can't do it, and whose imagination are we living in, as well? Is it mine? No, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah. So there's a question around, you, know, you, you just mentioned, um, it's, it's hard to get there. And yeah, it's hard to get there because um, sometimes even our basic needs aren't met yet. The everyday matters aren't met yet. Yeah. I think that's why I think it's really crucial for the discussion of, of dream matter and reimagining um, what we're doing here is really important in the construction industry in the built environment because um, often people do have the ability to go there or at least could have the ability to go there, could have the space and time to go there, could affect change thinking those ways. And it's like it's a responsibility nearly that we have undervalued because it's often viewed as um, like all things that are not 
technocratic and based on profit and function are often minimized as experiences or valid places to spend your energy um and i think it's really important that we make sure that we can try and facilitate those conversations as much as possible and not for them to be little add-ons or little fluffy nice to have bits um it's really Im- important that their the space is made for them and for people to make the connections between them into the dark matter and the everyday matter um and they i think we've been too and easy to sort of put the dark matter yeah yeah and arguably it has to start there so yeah. that you can uh, you know you want to make the that future irresistible <laughs> so starting with the big vision and the dreaming is one way to to get to, to motivate to get yeah. there i know and keep reflecting on it as well like it's not it's not i think what's interesting as well is that it's not like understanding dream matter, dark matter, and everyday matter as three components of, of, of a system that are completely interwoven. It's not like saying, oh, well, once you get that, then just crack on and, 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 and work in that space. It's sort of like, oh, if only it was that simple. You have to keep reflecting and, and keep um, seeing how you reiterate that, that process once you have been actively trying to pursue those things, which I think is a little bit about this mindset change that that's needs to happen and is slowly happening in places but we really really need to happen um, yeah I see them as lenses more than anything yeah, it's just um, looking at the same thing in three different ways yeah. and just considering it acknowledging it keeping it in mind one of those lenses I'd like to just reflect on as well is that on the train on the way back down on Friday um you know full of just everything and um, one thing that kept coming back to me and some of my um, train traveling um, friends was the was the authentic manner of hosting the event. Mm-hmm. Um, that kept coming back up in, uh, time and again. And at first, I remember, and I came out of the event feeling like, and that's what I closed my my last little bit of opportunity to speak on, which was, if you feel an emotional response to something, let it happen and acknowledge it. And where I'm tying this back to my first introduction to the authentic hosting of this event was um, one of the first people that I encountered on the site um, was Matilda um, at Civic Square, who wanted to carry my bag, wanted to get me a coffee, wanted to show me where I could like refresh myself. And I was like, no, no, I'll carry my bag. No, no, no. Like I'll, I'll go and get the coffee. Like feeling really uncomfortable that somebody was like going to carry those things for me or get me in that space. And in my mind, I was like, I don't do, what do I do? I don't deserve this. Why is she doing that? I should be doing that too. You know, and this sort of discomfort in like somebody caring for you, you know, and that then ran through the whole event so there were you know for anybody who had the misfortune of not attending (laughs) last week um there were things like ice lollies appearing on trays in the heat or there was you know great big table and different spaces put on with different levels of of comfort and access um where you could you know take the the lunch that was provided um or um there was just this really generous hosting you know and and it underpinned everything that went on 
and right through from how people were invited to speak or participate or, you know, and, and that is not something that happens very often and can be, as you say, overlooked and almost, you know, you don't give, you you said something earlier, but which was, you know, you probably don't even thank the space or thank the, you know, the opportunity. And it's because when you put it through a slightly different lens of like care, I think that really kind of gets at our external experience and makes us like almost, oh my goodness, like, what are we, what is that? Why is somebody caring for me? This is work, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, and that was great because I think it ultimately allowed people to go like, oh no, I'm safe here. I can really talk. I can really talk. I can really say how I'm feeling. And and that feeling is a valid response here, not just like solution. So I yeah, think that was something that really resonated and I'd love to see more of in other, yeah, work. Yeah, things. you've got it. Feeling um, safe, feeling held, feeling like um, you can focus on what's going on and that you can speak. And um, feeling um, noble about it is a big um, value of Civic Square is is nobilizing a word. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's make you know, it a word if it isn't one. <laughs> bringing, bringing nobility, um, you know, into the space. Um, for example, when I first started there, they wouldn't use the word, um, what's the word? What's the word? It would be under-resourced rather than any other way of thinking about it. They have everything they need to stand on their feet, but they just don't have the extra thing so yeah there was um it's, it's a big part of hosting is just making people you know how you were like no it's just little old me I'm just going about my <laughs> business I'm just doing my work um there's something about valuing someone in that way or when you feel valued in that way yeah it can unlock what you're thinking and can unlock your voice in a way and you say because you feel like people are listening and people care and we do (laughs) um and it's showing that in every all the little ways one of the other ways is um it you know it means that it creates multiple entry points for different people as well you talked about accessibility and there was a corner of the field and if you noticed it that was just an empty tent with pillows and books and you could just sit there quietly, people that just wanted to like be there, but but quietly. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not around all that. And I told my partner about this, and he's like, no, there's not. That's too good to be true. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of it. that thing, that too good to be true bit, um, is sort of an equal parts uh, heartbreaking and inspiring because you think there's been budget assigned for this festival and part of that budget was distinctly put towards hosting these things. Like somebody approached me and said, there are books down here. I'd like to speak to somebody about buying one. And I said, well, I I don't know what the situation is with the books, but I'll find out. And I spoke to somebody from the Civic Square team and they just said, yeah, yeah, they can take the book. Yeah, take the book. Mm -hmm. And I went back to this inquiring person and I said, well, you know, on behalf of Civic Square, you're welcome to the book. And that person was really like, what, no, what, what, no, no. And and it was like, well, read it and pass it to somebody else and, and share it. And all those things are quite like, um, 
confronting experiences is in a world where we've put a monetary value on every interaction that you have. Like, so it's all very transactional. It's all very like, well, I give this and then I'll get that. Um, but in like with a monetary value or a kind of capital value um, where that doesn't exist. And you have to very consciously run your events like that. You have to very consciously assign your budget towards that. Um, and so part of me is oscillating between like the joy that all that was and also a curiosity about how do you make that work? How do you do that as an organization? You know, like how do you, I have so many questions. I guess one of them, and this might yeah. be getting a little bit specific and technical is, you know, how do you justify that in a world like, do you have to answer to people regarding your funding and say, oh, no, no, we just like spent, you know, 200 quid on ice on these. <laughs> or we just gave all our books away. You know, that, yeah, yeah. you know. So now, those, yeah. so now you're getting into the um, arena of what do we value as a society and, you know, how do you measure success even? How do you even um, measure what the you know in a gift economy the real value of a gift you know it's not free it's a long-term relationship you know, oh, wow it's a where that book will travel and what that does for that person and all the things that come out of it you can't possibly put that to paper or or get it on film or you know so it's a it is a, it is a, it is a mindset change and one of the when I my first day at Civic Square, the very first time I stepped onto that barge at Southwick Park, I walked away with some books. <laughs> they just gave me a bunch of books to read, like <laughs> go forth and, and and assimilate these these ideas. And um, one of them was braiding sweetgrass, and it the whole one of the recurring themes is um, you know reciprocity. This idea of how we value each other in the living world and how. Um, the give and take of everything, how it's always a balancing act as well. But that's a little bit of a side a side conversation. <laughs> On the subject of things being free, it's not really free. No, but it's not really free. But it's I. This I'm so glad that you brought up the conversation around cost and value, and um, because it is something that um, we do talk about quite often on the podcast. Certainly, Duncan and I, who's one of the co-hosts, have often um, talked about it. And you know, when we look at things through the lens of how much it costs, very very single focus lens of of money as the baseline or money as the starting point or money as the performance for or the indicator for good performance and all of those things versus the value of something and we talk about this in the context of retrofit as another lens to look at um how we might reimagine our neighborhoods and society and and community um is that thing about well we know we're in this sort of late stages of a an economy I say late stages of an economy almost as like a a, a willingness of something to be in its late stages <laughs> so yeah, I hope you join the masses of people talking about it so we can talk it into reality but in that late stage we're able to talk about the cost of a project or the cost of housing somebody or the cost of living like Emmy said in our podcast together like how awful that we have put money against how much it costs to be alive and um, to be somebody oh. existing um but yeah, but we don't know about the value of, of the home. And I think the household, you talk about disseminating ideas from books, 
one of the great books of my life to ever come across was Donut Economics and just being pointed out that, hey, household underlied, under was like underlying everything and was absolutely ignored and undervalued um, because it was entirely taken for granted. And, and you then think, well, if we completely don't value the home space and haven't and still don't, um, you know, and then we, we, we don't understand the impact of, of the space that we're behaving in. So the cost versus value, you know, there's all these other things in there. The value of a secure home does what? Sasha Josette spoke about it from Breathe about, you know, it allows me to be, if I have a home that is secure and a home that is warm when it needs to be, cool when it needs to be, it allows me to think, it allows me to imagine, it allows me to feel safe, it allows me not to be existing through trauma, you know, through the lens of trauma. And and we don't know how to value those things without saying, well, how could we quantify that and add it to the bottom line of our spreadsheet on money? It's like when we talk about reassigning value, it isn't like how do we put a monetary value against it so that it stacks up and it becomes a weightier thing? Because, you know, the big the big picture of money will always try and undervalue that. But how do we how do we value those things? How do you value those things? And one of the examples I really loved um, from Indy Johar was um, uh, trees as urban infrastructure and how um, on a spreadsheet, it's a cost to the city, which is mental because Mm. on that 40 degree heat Tuesday, we could have done with the cool shade of the trees in order to breathe, in order to chill. Um, Not to speak of, you know, let's not even get to the whole and it takes 40 years for them to start drawing carbon to see the benefit of them. Um, so, yeah, yeah. How do we value things? What is the true cost of things? Mm. Mm. I mean, there's so many places to go, but what I wanted to ask you a little bit about as well was that you and I had a sort of a ideas exchange at a festival and um, this resulted in you hosting a number of short little conversations with people at the festival, like a broad range of people. And I've been listening to them and they've been wonderful, but yeah. So you went around and spoke to different people and asked them a question. What did you ask them and what was your sort of, what's your reflection on those conversations that came out? Yeah. I asked them what were they curious about at the festival and what they were picking up. Because I was curious about what they were curious about, <laughs> what, they, what questions they had. And I also wasn't able to be in a lot of the talks. So I was kind of learning through them and vicariously through them. And um, wondering, you know, as a storyteller as well, I try to meet people where they are. I want to meet people where they are. Um, so so that's that was my conversation. And I tried to... Um, greet a range of people so some people were neighbors who had just wandered in from the reservoir that day <laughs> they were just like what is this this is mm. wonderful and others were um people from the retrofit world and from the architecture world and designers um and some you know the first person I talked to was Scott who's from tenants well he, his, his main occupation was around um, he had a completely, you know, he was he was at that point in the festival, he was frustrated that we hadn't been talking from the tenant's point of view yet. So straight out the gate, I had a, you know what I mean, a, another point of view that he then um, brought into his talk. Um, what was the other question? Um, 
what surprised you out of the responses people gave you or like yeah. what I mean I suppose you've kind of suggested that because you couldn't be there it's not like you had your version of events having listened to everything you were doing other bits because you were doing all sorts of posting bits all around the space so it's not so much like oh what surprised you that was different to your interpretation but it was more like oh you obviously got a whole series of different um people's experiences told to you which I just think adds a whole other level of how you document an event because we can then share these stories with more people who will listen and and think oh what were they what happened in that event that made them feel that way and then maybe they can go and look at the recordings which we have of both days and and then as you say you know we don't know what impact that then has out of things sort of spinning on like you know this web of people this web of intermingling and different layers of like communication and impact that those things had but I suppose this sort of the reason that I approached you was that somebody said um Charlotte might be like really interested in this bit because of her role as a storyteller but also the specifics of a small project I don't want to say small project but a particular project of um, yeah 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 good news of b16 yeah yeah so um on my journey as storyteller I've sussed that not everyone has access to the internet and um so a printed invitation makes sense and so come October we're going to do a printed newspaper called the good news of b16 um partly as an invitation but also to champion the work that's already been done in the area um you know the unsung heroes of the, of the area you hear about people who are you know going after funding the eloquent ones the people who are maybe making big strides or organizing um events but there are everyday people in the in the neighborhood that have been doing this work for years <laughs> that um that are already, you know, getting us into the donut, into the safe interest space um, where we all want to be for both people and planet. And we want to hear about those. And it comes from, I stopped watching the news in the pandemic. Like I was done. I was, I was yeah, fully done. And I, I think a lot of people you. were too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what the news does these days, because we know it's, it's they, you know, they need readers and it's it's motivated by um, profit. We, we get it. We know that and it's why it's got an agenda um but what it does as an as a consequence um a lot of the time is it just leaves you feeling like you can't do anything and um, disempowered um and paralyzed at, at, on an extreme level paralyzed um so the idea of having you know civic square is all about impact that's an inch wide and a mile deep it's all about I think that's Adrian Marie Brown quote. So with a localized newspaper, I'm thinking about your sphere of influence, like what you do have power over, what you do see, what you do feel, what you do experience, who you know. And um, so that's the locality part of it. And when I say B16, like who defines these borders? I'm I'm questioning the B16 bit. Um, <laughs> but but in terms of being hyperlocal. And that's why it's a neighborhood newspaper that's co-created with the neighbors. Mm. So you would have seen me at the festival at that giant map. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at that giant map, I was asking um people who were just passing by, people at the festival, to um share uh, stories of place and stories of people. Mm. Um, 
that will then be um, collated into this printed newspaper. And the focus is on good news for so that which can then, um, you know, give people a sense of agency in their space. Because when you can see that it's already been, you know, the party's over there, everyone's having a jolly good time. Um, I know where to go. I know where to be. And also they can see how resourced the area is. Like it's insanely resourced. And I I was surprised how many people hadn't heard of the library of things on St. Vincent Street where you borrow beyond books. You can also borrow like lawnmowers and sewing machines and people like, wait, what? And that can open conversations about um, what we um, consume and how much we need and um, talks about regenerative economies just from the fact that it exists and it exists near you. And I was learning things about the area as well. So, so there's multiple um, functions of this um, printed newspaper um, that will be coming out in October. And another big one, the reason for October is because we are launching a um, report on our journey into the, the economics so far in the area. So it will coincide with that. And it's just an, it becomes an artifact. Uh, thing like this becomes a physical, tangible thing that people can interact with and then start, enter into these conversations and connect with different people and different um, events and projects that are happening on their doorstep. Also, the very the very um, existence of the newspaper as well, we're wanting it to be printed on um, recycled materials that we gather from the coffee cups from the barge. So Khadija Carberry is working on um, generous waste projects. So the idea is that the, the, even the newspaper itself is, is an artifact to talk about how we think about and interact with waste in terms of a uh, regenerative economy. And um, the little bit of magic sprinkled on the good news of V16 is going to be that when you flip it over, it'll have a, a page, you know, usually it's the sports section. In this section, it's going to be the um, headlines of the future, so headlines in 20 years' time. So what I'm hoping is that people would pick it up and they would say, wait, what? Is that is that real? No, it's not real. But if you flip it over, here are the actual things happening in the area that are getting us there <laughs> um, already. Um, and this newspaper was born from that. It was um, uh, done in economics. Um, we've been uh, co-creating with the neighbourhood how we enter safe and just face the donor, you know, when I talked about um, what other roles we can all play. And in one of those sessions, that was when I introduced the um, Imagine the Future headlines. And that came from experiments like um, What is to What If with Rob Hopkins and um, Futures Frequency and um, Alternative UK is a good one as well um, for positive news stories of what's going on and how we imagine the future. So um, so that's the little project I've been... <laughs> Yeah, can um, we just um, can um, we like go back and edit and both of us take the word little out of? <laughs> <laughs> well, you I... know what though, you know what though, there is something liberating about it being little, but it so, does it does free it does free it up, um, and that and everything that we do as well is the, um, the worst iteration of what it's going to be in the future. Mm. You know, it's all an experiment. Mm. They're all kind of um, in this corner and then see what happens, and then you put those resources out into the world. You know, it's dist- it's distributed by design, it's open source, and then maybe it will be something, something, you know. Um, but there is something liberating about it being a little project. So I'm, I'm happy, I'm okay with it being a little <laughs> thing in the corner. I'm very happy with it being a little thing in the corner, and then we'll see what happens. 
I think you're right because like the two things that I had written down um well actually that's a lie all of the things I'd written down but there were two that I would kind of keep circling around and one is this concept of being hyperlocal and the importance of that which I'm absolutely convinced about but I feel needs like reiterating over and over and again about why that bit matters um on so many levels and um, the other bit that you've said twice and I just realized that this is almost like putting into practice the ideas that would come across. So twice you've said getting us into the donut, right? Oh, because this is how we're getting ourselves into the donut. And I've read that book. I listened to that book again. We talk about that book a lot, but actually, can you get us into the donut, please? Like, this is how we get us into the donut. We don't have to wait for the big idea. Like right now we're getting ourselves continually into the donut by examining those things, those choices that we make. And then if we do them individually, fine. But if we do them collectively, and then we start to sort of make these shift changes and spin all that stuff out into the commons to make it accessible for other people to try or to see or to explore. And you make it very real and tangible and accessible rather than, as we've seen, a uh, culture that we sit in now about, you know, individualizing everybody and everything wedging fear between individuals so that we can keep people separate so that we can sell as many things to um as many people as possible and keep selling and selling and selling and keep using and using and and, and degenerative practices like that versus the power of convening a community and filling those spaces of fear with opportunities to co-create and to host things and to to change and have a positive impact and, and all that stuff so I'm totally on board with all of that I suppose I wanted to ask you particularly maybe just about the your experience of the power of it being small little hyper local um and just to talk a little bit about that in a practical sense in a very practical sense it just means that people um can walk walk over <laughs> mm-hmm. and um share their time share their energy share their ideas and be physically there to drink the coffee with you to you know eat with you across the table and um you know so in, in a practical sense it just means that you're able to just do things together <laughs> mm-hmm. um in a way that is just feels more impactful you can also experience like things together, but also on a, um, I don't know whether to, because I wasn't part of Impact Hub, you know, Hustle Square used to be Impact Hub in Digbeth. I wasn't part of the team then, but I do know the story is that they were there for 10 years in Digbeth and um, doing what they're doing now, basically. But because of the dark matter in terms of like the contracts and the whole renting infrastructure um, of being there, it didn't make a huge impact because it was a lot of um, uh, transient people. They would go through the space rather than being off that place. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Digworth now, it's very, very different. Looks and feels very, very different. Didn't make much of an impact there. Didn't make much of a difference. Ten years of doing the work that Civic Square is doing now mm-hmm. um, with a space, by the way. We don't actually have a space right now. We, we were off a barge at yeah. the empty warehouse. Um, but, you know, and it, it didn't make the um, changes that we need to see. So the idea of it being hyper-local, um in 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 b16 in in ladywood in in where we are now 
is um, that you're building relationships with people. You're building long-term relationships with people. They know you. You're building trust. Trust is a long game. Um, trust is the only thing that can do that is time um, yeah. and proximity and proximity. And what that means is that when, um, you know, you're facing multiple crises, you can knock on your neighbor's door, you know what I mean, and figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, because you know them and they know you and they know your face and um and you've you know so that's the power of hyperlocal. Trust was a yeah. theme that came up like a lot in all of the talks, no matter what the perspective was, whether it was in the systemic challenges and opportunities or whether it was in existing and emerging practice, as we sort of themed the days. Trust came up time and again, time and again, like who's your trusted intermediary, who's your trusted person, who can you trust? Why does trust matter and and where is its place and all of that? And I think that's probably right. That's probably why it is about hyperlocal, but it's about bridging. Um, it's about as an intermediary, somebody like, not somebody, an organization like Civic Square made up of people who will work from that perspective of respect and trust and nobility and open-minded learning. That's an in-between space that I think aren't enough of those sorts of organizations, which I feel we need a lot of. And I keep recently I found myself using my hands to describe things I don't have language for. So whenever I'm talking about economy, I tend to be like drawing circles. And then whenever I'm talking about retrofit, I'm always always using this sort of in-betweeny landing bit between the stuff that we know all the reports and all the knowledge and all the expertise, which is great and very, very necessary. And then people are down here and there's only a couple of strands, a couple of ladders, bridges connecting those bits. And we need lots more of this in-betweeny stuff to happen. Um, and that's where I feel like the work of Civic Square is so, so important. And I just want to like do what I can and what different networks and groups like ACAN and, and, and others are involved in to, to get to grips with that and then to learn from that and then to use that and, you know, to see what you're doing, you know, wonderful just for enough people's curiosity to be piqued to think, well, could we do that here? Can we do that here? What do we need to do that here? And if all your knowledge and all your learning and all your hosting is essentially free at the point of access, then I suppose my call to action to anybody listening who's curious about this is to follow through on your curiosity and see what yeah. it is that Civic Square are doing and then reach out and ask how do we do that here um because I tell you like when I met people last week and I never felt more like wanting to be able to say no yeah I am from here I'm from Birmingham yeah I live here in Ladywell <laughs> this is my neighborhood <laughs> um, but I know that like through some of the local work I do here in my own neighborhood and and the work that others are doing in their neighborhoods, all this, all these neighborhoods, all these like energies do exist around us. And it's just being facilitated to allow other people to see it happening so they can feel connected and part of it and then let it grow. Because I think this is what's going to be needed, way more of this. And there'll be people listening who are like, yeah, yeah, I've been active in my community for years. What are you talking about? I'm sorry to you listeners that do already do yeah. that. Some of us are slightly newer to it, but <laughs> we would love yeah. to like hear more about the likes of, of what other community groups are doing out there in this sphere because I don't know I think we could we could take individual things that you talked about much much further on many many more conversations and I hope that we do 
and I hope that we just continue to like share and promote much like what you're talking about which is what you want to do which is sort of to champion the work of, of other people so that it lives on so that it is sustainable so that it does grow shoots and leaves I just want to say thank you for the work that you've done and what you, the work that you are doing and sharing and um yeah would love to speak to you again maybe after you release uh speaking of care <laughs> that's care somebody's just delivered you oh are they pancakes, are pancakes? pancakes. <laughs> oh yes amazing um I think uh well there you go there's the embodiment of you know you're living the the, the work you do um but maybe we can like check in again after you um yeah after you publish the good news of B16 and, yeah. and see how that's been received and and what the surprises are out of that but in the meantime thank you so much um Charlotte for your time and um I encourage everybody to to get involved <laughs> yes thank you Sarah two minutes oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. go ahead um what's your name um what are you doing here and um how's it how's has anything surprised you today uh, well, I'm uh, David Nugent from Canopy Housing in Leeds, uh, so I've been here uh, on one of the panels kind of thing, and it's been really nice to uh, catch up and meet up with people from um, uh, People Powered Retrofit. Uh, uh, so uh, Jonathan I've known for a number of years, and to listen to uh, uh, Kim, who works with uh, David Ridlin at... What are they called? can't remember. Anyway. Um, but no, it'd be good because I didn't know they were working in Leeds. So we will be working in Leeds with them and go to see them. So yeah, it's been really good. So you Open made a connection. Doors. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and has anything? Urbed. Urbed. She's bum- Kim's you know, from Urbed. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> and as, um, what have you picked up from the bit of the talk that you caught? I think it's, I mean, they're a lot further down the line technically than, than we are. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, we use natural materials and pioneer using those natural materials kind of thing, but to get the de- detail in Bob on, I think it will be really good to sort of like work with them to sort of help us to do that, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect. My name is Abba. I'm a priest. In my vocation, we call it, that's not a profession. And also, profession wise, I'm a nurse as well as I'm a philosopher. Uh, this ground, the field, is not new for me. During the lockdown, me, Sam and Ryman, we spend our time here doing the gardening. So when I heard something is going on in this field, I say, let me go and see. So when I come and saw, I almost participated most of the days. In the morning, I do my on vocation work in the church and the afternoon I ran here and the good thing I saw was taking care of the planet, taking care of our common home became a concern of everyone in this place I have seen elderly people, young people, children, men, women I've seen people from the Asian background to African background, including myself, Europeans. 
So I say, I have seen the kingdom, what is spiritual, you say in the kingdom of God, people will come from the east, from the west, from north and south, they will sit together with God. So here I've seen that sign. So I am hoping and believing this work will go further. And one day, the plan we have to create a beautiful paradise here on earth will achieve it with the grace of God. Wow, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? Who are you? Great what question. are you doing here? Okay. And what surprised so you about So my name is James Rickson. Um, I'm an architect um, and I run a small practice um, from South London, St. Rickson Architecture. Um, I've come along for the day because I'm involved um, I'm, I'm involved in ACAM, but um, I practice and my work is in retrofit and low energy design. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a perfect event for that. Um, so that's what I'm doing here. What surprised me, um, I, can't, I can't say I'm surprised about how good, how, by how good it is. I'm just, I love how good it is. Um, but I, I, I think I've come to expect that, I think. <laughs> um, no, um, but just from, you know, com comparatively um, from other events or industry events, it's just been, it's been great. Uh, the engagement, the, like the site, the way that's been designed to engage, it's just, it's really enjoyable to be here. Um, and there's, yeah, I think, you know, there's the, the way little spaces are around for, you know, conversations and chats like this as well is brilliant it's not just it's not a little white coffee table somewhere like on the edge of a conference you know, uh, a bad sandwich let's put it i was about to say something else uh like eating a bad sandwich together so yeah that i mean it's just great no i hear uh, yeah. you it's, it's, it's um a decent conversation yeah. and i think it's a real pleasure also to be out to be not london as well so it's a real treat and to come up here um what I've loved, actually, which has nothing to do with this um, at all. Well, it's slightly to do with this because the program has been in two, at least you know, two locations, is being able to use electric scooters um, and see Birmingham that way. So that's been a real pleasure as well. But that's just a little <laughs> side side treat, I think, that no one really planned. So, yeah. And the reservoir as well. This is a beautiful yes. spot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah, I walked here past, yeah, I got to the site walking along the reservoir, which is, yeah. again, it's a treat. Usual industry event is do you want to go on the DLR um, and to get to the Excel Centre in London which is just nowhere near as exciting so yeah that's it. Have you um, picked up anything from the talks that you're going to carry into your practice or? Um, I'm worried that I'll get I'll get held to that if I say that I have that I will I'll do basically everything I, I I mean it's just about how to you know it's all the questions about how to engage and how to engage clients and how to engage them on a, on a micro level and about how to engage them on a like such a large scale that you can reach everyone it just it's just good yeah like, it's partly a question for me because i've yeah. missed these talks oh right okay uh, okay yeah. fair enough but yeah i think it's just engage. it's just yeah in better you know, better ways of engagement and looking at changing the way that we yeah the traditional way of working which is nice so yeah and how can people get in contact with you if you'd like people to get in contact with you um if people um i'd like to say something exciting like high beam torch in the sky but they can probably like 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 some sort of retrofit hero but um an email or website is uh, uh rickson rickson hyphen architecture.com the program was so packed with speakers that you'll have to forgive our next interviewee for getting some of the names slightly confused, which she then subsequently remembered. But um, it was Sal and Dave from Heal Home Energy Action Lab, 
Chris from Loco Home Retrofit and Jonathan from People Powered Retrofit. Um, yeah, so I'm Kat McGill. Um, I work with Dark Matter Labs and I'm based in Edinburgh. So the Dark Matter team has been closely involved with Civic Square and um, here in Birmingham, Ladywood. Um, and so I came along just to see what was happening and to meet people and hear more about what's going on in the retrofit ecosystem. And uh, today has been really good. Yeah, I'm a bit like full from two days of just stuff. Um, but I've met real people who have you know, so much useful knowledge, which has been amazing. And the talks have just been so valuable, especially hearing from so many different people. So getting lots of different perspectives of how people are working. And I think also one thing that really, I wouldn't say if it surprised me today, but really impressed me was a few people were really open and vulnerable in their like conversation and I think you sometimes come to events and people want to tell you about how well they're doing or how great things are going or all the you know put up their powerpoint and be like all their fantastic accomplishments and the kind of informal panel conversation just allowed people to say like what's hard what's difficult what their challenges are what they've done that they might not be proud of or their super tactics for like you know getting businesses going or just moving forward and I think it was just really raw and honest and it was in that I found very inspiring because you feel like you identify with people who are like man this is like exciting but hard and it was yeah very powerful was there any that stood out to you yeah, I think it was the, the one I'm thinking of in particular was Chris from Local Homes and then Sal and Joe, I think, from Home Energy Action Lab and Chris, is it Christopher from People Powered Retrofit? Um, yeah, and I think each of them had something really powerful to say. I think Chris was saying like what he had to do just to kind of get going in his business, um, which was challenging, but just kind of pushing forward and um, just trying stuff and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And Christopher had a really interesting point about us being both too early and too late, which I thought was really interesting that like we feel like in some ways we're early adopters, um, but actually like we're so far behind where we need to be. And then also he told his story of how long he and some of his colleagues have been working on this and all the kind of scrabbling and scrounging they've done and how many years they've been going and still like we're still feeling like we're early adopters. <laughs> And so just the patience that it takes time and it will be slow and it's too slow, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, there's some quotes that really stick with you and I feel like that's going to be one in my head. So we're both too early and, and too, too late. late. Yeah, it was really powerful. Um, and there are a few things. There's something Sal said, but I can't remember it now. Um, a lot of new ideas, just like different things that I can integrate, knowing where there's expertise and who's working on what. So I can go back to people and be like, oh, like, you know, I'm trying to set up this thing with supply chain and you talked about that at the event. So can you give me any advice or help? Possibly an advisory board for a project so people who can provide feedback so that you don't just do something on your own without having the really relevant knowledge feeding into it. Um, and yeah, at least those things. And um, would you like anyone to get in touch with you? And if so, do you want any contact details or are you okay? Um, it's cat, C-A-T, at darkmatterlabs.org. And yeah, happy for people to get in touch. Um, I'm more in the learning phase. So um, just really appreciative of everybody who shared knowledge and insight and experience today. Um, I got some really specific like guidance, which was really good because there's not that many people doing 
like the kind of work that we're doing. So it's nice when somebody's tried something that you're working on, it can give you a bit of advice. So really grateful for all of that. Thank you. <laughs> so my name is Bobby Jewell. I'm part of Architects Climate Action Network. And I'm here because I'm writing an article for an architecture trade publication and about events. I was actually thinking of covering Retrofit Reimagined Festival um, in the same way that I'd done before when talking about COP, which would basically sum up a bit of like what, what we're doing and importantly why. But I think what coming here and seeing the setup and the lineup and the way the audience has been engaged with and local community has been focused on has kind of upended and surprised me because now I don't want to ever do go back to normal and do the typical architecture trade events that I'm so used to. Wow. You know, it's kind of stuff we're talking about where it's like um, a lot of people in suits, a lot of people with lanyard, a lot of gap barriers, literally, like both, you know, financially for tickets, sales and incentives or barriers, you know, about timings or invitation. And location too you know as in mainly in um uh, convention centers very dry boring places and what i'm now keen on doing is getting rid of that entirely and really create and that's how you would create like super interesting vibrant events and conferences and spaces by focusing on people and communities first and making sure everyone's engaged and involved with so that's how you empower people the work that we do with ACAN started because Everyone looked around and said, what can I do? I'm not a decision maker at my practice, organization, or as a student. How can I have agency? And we've managed to run with that by empowering people, by giving them platform to channel that energy into actions and collective voices that feel meaningful. And similar, I think that's what Civic Square are really good at too, is by taking that further than the architecture profession and engaging with everyone in the community. So that's been a real surprise for me, but brilliant because it's a great challenge too. And I think that's what it all is, obviously with the scale of the climate yeah. issues, you know, it's a real big challenge, but. So to redesign the spaces where these thinkers can. Redesign the spaces, them, yeah. Imagine. Like why are they, why do you have them in um, Cannes? Why do you have them in uh, convention centers? Why do you have them that are only really prohibitive for mums with young families or people from uh, non-nuclear families to get involved in you know what are those barriers that you're putting up by just having a bunch of manals is a term I never want to see again I never want to see another man no a, ma a panel with a bunch oh, of men <laughs> only okay, men kind yeah, of stuff yeah. yeah there was one point yesterday when Amy was like can we have a question from a woman please yeah 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 <laughs> any women non-binaries anyone yeah yeah totally and I think it's that fine that's it. yeah. it's like, but it's, it's like giving space to other people and putting effort into it because you're going to pay off dividends like I was thinking we sometimes get pushback from older older gits. I was going to say generation, but it's, it's usually gits kind of thing. And it's like you know they never never see it as an opportunity to get more people in the room. They don't think think that's important because they you know they don't care or they don't have the empathy. I think. Yeah. But um, that's yeah. been for me. Or they don't believe. They don't think. Yeah, because if you never had it, if if you only benefited yeah. benefited from something, why would you want to challenge that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What about yourself, Shelley? How many times have you have you answered this question yet? Yeah. 
which question the what have I been what surprised? you do yeah yeah we've been surprised what by. I've been surprised by for me it was um, oh, I can't remember her name yesterday but when she was talking about how the home is a time space um, is is time and space and how she was just rethinking the home Aricelli the centric lab yeah 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 um, what she was saying about it and how she was thinking about um, our connection to retrofit and the why mm. like the movement behind the why and she was saying like it's almost brutal brutish to think of it as a profitable space mm. um, and how we need to start thinking seamlessly I already knew it but the way she was saying it and how passionate mm. she was saying it yeah. I guess it was um, surprised me. Oh yeah, I love that quote from her too where it says like the west is obsessed with building pineapples in the de- yeah. desert and <laughs> she was like it's dumb yeah, and I was like, yeah, she was just really, blunt. <laughs> really blunt but it's like it's really um, similar because like when I was up at COP26 last year yeah. um, a lot of the Glasgow art spaces and community spaces they instead of putting on an exhibition what they did is like they just cleared that space and let indigenous peoples use it right. as they pleased right. so sometimes they use it permanently just for the period of COP where they were there which is about a month or so yeah, with yeah. weeks or so in between kind of, kind of like a what could it be imagine a space totally yeah and like just the way that they were thinking yeah. and talking talking about it totally challenged everything he thought and the, obviously because a lot of it blended in with performance too mm. and the importance of that mm. um, and again that challenged those western narratives around it and some like really ma- impassioned and peaceful speeches tragically on deaf ears but again it's like for them it's like tragedy after tragedy after tragedy whereas like for us it's like oh this is a bit bad this is a bit deaf, bad no, yeah. you were there and you're, and you're sharing well, thank them, you, you know, yeah yeah kind of, yeah that's kind of it isn't it yeah. that's the point mm. Yvonne yeah. um, I guess how would people get in contact with you if you want them to <laughs> well yeah I was like, uh, with with ACAN we're active all on most social media platforms and we also have a newsletter you can sign up to um, you can join as a member from as little as £1 a year but the idea is we're a platform that anyone can join or be a part of in any capacity so that's something that you know even turning up to an online event or watching a recording of, on YouTube to you know giving us some policy advice for a campaign there's so many ways you can get involved and we welcome them all yes my name is uh, Samuel Bauer and I came here because my friend, Father Abba of St. Martin's, is part of the community. Yeah. Invited me to come and see what you're doing about regeneration. Now, the talks have been so spot on because over the time, in fact, I've had a vision about the community that we live in, about togetherness, about a common ground, about how we need to integrate and make sure that we manage our community well for our own good. So when we came and I saw all what was happening through the talks, it's sort of like an answer to a prayer, a vision that I've seen, that we are all integrated from different cultural backgrounds, from different ethnicities, different colors, and we're all here talking about the common thing about how we can improve our lives on this earth and how we can use the soil where we came from, better it for our good. So that is the most, I mean, catching thing that I'm really happy about for being part of this, yes. And is there anything that you've picked up that you feel like you can take with you? Absolutely. It's all like, ooh, let's get all the passion out there to ensure that this dream 
is really comes on here within this community and even spread it out to the other communities in Birmingham and globally actually so it's it's like an action uh, point now for us to make sure that we do the needful empowering uh, empowering and uh, innovating improving our lives on this earth like I said earlier in uh, this thing that okay we are due to produce heaven on this earth and this is like the beginning of, of that yeah. dream yes mm. thank you thank you too <laughs> would you like um, anyone to contact you are you okay yeah yeah you, why not yes yeah, that's like. what I mean. I'm, I'm an advocate so uh, we advocate in everything we think through and as of as a project manager it's all about looking at the big picture and see how we can piece it together so yes I'm open to I mean uh, contacts how, and how can people contact you well, I think when they get you, I can leave my details with you. You know where you can get me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so my name's Sarah, and I'm local to this area. So I'm B17, um, and then this is my sister Lizzie, and this is my daughter Ava. Um, she's seven weeks. <laughs> so I'm very keen to sort of get her involved in like the community, and especially with aspects of sustainability sustainability in gardens. So I actually volunteer at Nettlefold Gardens, oh, okay. which is in you know Harbour. Yeah, um, so I was quite keen to come here and um, listen to two talks. Uh, one was by a gentleman um, talking about getting the council to be, you know, to ask questions and to implement more elements of sustainability. Um, which I'm, I thought was really, really interesting and definitely, you know, for as well, yeah. especially because I think about her generation and I'd like uh, the houses to be built, which think about, you know, glo- the glo- impact of global warming and um, solar panels, you know, all, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, warm in winter. Warm in winter. Calling, yes, exactly. On the 37 exactly. degree Tuesdays. Exactly. We want them to have um, <laughs> the so, capacity to live it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he definitely made me think about my home. So I live in a, an Edwardian house, like built 1905, and it's not sustainable at all. And it, it's, it's not, you know, the bricks, you don't know what you're drilling into. And think about how I could make my home uh, you know, warm in the winter, and, and, and it's, it's definitely cold in the summer. Um, so it got me thinking about that. Um, and yeah, that's the main talk I was listening to. Uh, is there anything that um, you've picked up that you want to carry with you into maybe Netherfields or, any, or anywhere else? Oh, um, I think kind of like re- I think what we do at Netherfold. Um, making it you know it's for the public um the plants which which we we sow are all native to the uk um no pesticides are used at all um we have areas of the lawn which are which are not mowed um to see what you know to see what's what's grow what grows in that area um so i think it's kind of like the reassurance that we're, we're doing the right thing um and there's just six of us who garden there you know every so often um so yeah, no, I think. I mean, I like to come back here again because um, you know you're on for another two another two weeks, aren't you? Um, so 
Yeah, I'm quite interested and it's intrigued me to come back again. And as we're only, you know, a mile, half a mile down the road, um, yeah, I definitely will return. Bob, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my name's Scott, him. I am a parts architectural assistant, a climate and spatial justice activist, I work in whole life carbon assessment. And what was incredible today was the start on the kind of the intersectionality focus like that was so necessary mm-hmm. in this kind of space and to like the built environment still has a long way to go to like get there but i think what really surprised me more than anything else was when uh, there was a panel on kind of domestic retrofit from a few different angles uh we had we we're looking at i think there was everyone's asking what's the kind of like, the killer question was what's the one thing that needs to change not one of them was about tenants' rights or about kind of the rental sector. It was all private, or like it was about some of it was about styles of things or archetypes of things. It wasn't about how do we ensure people are treated equitably. And I think there is a huge potential for like engaging in tenants' unions, renters' unions. And I was just really shocked that that was the all of the all of the thinking applied to the killer question was the same system as made the mess it was all within that we can just do what the people can pay and i'm still sort of working through that because i the more i see things like that from an architectural lens the less i feel i can identify with that part of the background it just it feels like that has been it's part of the conversation that's not even an undertone which was quite shocking it was very much on the kind of can people pay what can they afford to pay for what to struggle to pay for not a do they have the legal right to make these changes so yeah. i think that's a i'd love to explore that more and when there's room to another point yeah. it would be amazing to have kind of uh tenants right tenants rights kind of like big focal point in tenants unions yeah as a foundational piece as well yeah. especially since in here in b16 yeah. Um, so it's crazy that that's not a big part of the conversation. There's um, a tenant, well, Scotland's tenants union living rent is they so they fought and won rent controls that are still, still not they've not been implemented yet, but they've won them on paper. Their next campaign step is to tie energy uh, energy efficiency to rent controls, meaning landlords would be legally forced to you must ensure people are looked after, but they also could then that could be an amazing stepping stone to under air quality to. The next, like doing it sequentially in such a way that you ensure that people are not in bad conditions. Anyone that is, there is a legal mechanism to change that because if we just focus on the who can pay and how can we generate money from that system, we also haven't talked about like fossil fuel subsidies. So definitely going to retrofit instead. Like we're talking about, we talked about finance yesterday, and it was all like, where can we make the money come from? It's like globally, 11 million dollars a minute goes into fossil fuel subsidies, and it's just. Like, capitalism was called the elephant in a room, but just like, it's extracted with petrochemical based capitalism, and that's still. Is that because it's outside of the purview of the people here? I think, I think it is a bit. That's more like a. It doesn't whereas they're trying to think, like, what can we do with our hands and our brains now? Ownership hasn't been like a big focus. Like, how do we in, how do we cultivate this sort of sense? And like, the rental sector, people don't feel empowered. Like, when you don't have the legal right to do this. It's not like doing it's not on your minds. Like if you know like I can't damage like if you're not if you can't damage the couch, you can definitely not like insulate the walls. Like I think what stood out to me was I had a a friend quite recently who we were get, actually getting a taxi back from a party quite late at night and they kinda of stopped and turned and went, What can I legally do to a room that's freezing? And out of nowhere, like they, there was no we done to it, they just gonna kind of start as like this is how people are experiencing this and they 
it took a drink for someone to be like, okay, so this is actually how it is. Like, what can I do? And they quoted like the only key bucket metaphor of how a house lets heat out. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is heartbreaking mm-hmm. because unless we recognise that the way we housing is like monopolised for wealth building mm-hmm. and not for people's well-being, mm-hmm. we're gonna keep spinning in the same hole. And it sounds yeah. like um, uh, what Quad Quadja. Yeah. was saying yesterday as well about how people are almost embarrassed to step forward about these kinds of things. When he said like someone you know, yeah, like I just that just came back because the fact that they also quoted like a metaphor I'd used when they tried to ask me someone like what do you mean by this and they quoted that one, what can I do, Mm. and it's probably not something they're even bringing up at all elsewhere. And I think unless we can, the elephant in the room is it's lots of the majority of people that can't be here, as well. Like, it's something that affects everyone, but they can't be here. They don't think, you don't legally have the, it shouldn't be a right, like, shouldn't need someone else's say-so for you to be warm. And, yeah, I think I'm probably going to have to use a part of the space I have to talk and go, like, I'm going to push back against this morning. I think you need to, and And you can say, like, 80%? Yeah, I'm I'm just really, like, are there 10, like, is there a local tenants union? Because what, what was incredible in Scotland was the... Um, uh, I'm linked to... I'm, I'm, I've done some of the climate change stuff for a living rent. But it's what was so powerful was the the scale of the union, like, through COVID, because they were just showing up for people. And it was that kind of mutual aid, and like, you're, you could count on the tenant, like, people coming around to check everyone's okay, see what's happening. And it's still... What's amazing here is we're talking about the social side and it's, mm. it's so nourishing, but as soon as we get into the industry-ish, mm. it just pulls straight back into technical and money. And it's like, come on, like we've done we've done this before. We're not going to get there with like the same attitudes. And I've, yeah, I've left a couple of slides that are going to be open-ended and it's going to have to be like, we need to talk about this. It's not just a case of we're going to get there with a mess up and like it's been designed to work this way. I think that's what stood out to me most in, in the panel discussions and especially in what solution, not what, what paths people think we should take mm. and what they think the thing that could change it would be. They're not as radically imaginative. Mm. They're imagining within the confines of what we've been like told, like, mm. this is your box. Mm. But like, there's, that's, there's definitely like borders aren't real. <laughs> it's like, so it's just, yeah, I think that's my kind of... It's not criticism, it's just like, observation is just, where is this big chunk of the conversation? And especially seeing as it's like 80% rented as well. But I've got a little bit, also I was all surprised trade unions haven't come up. Again, again observation, just, I've, I did some work around COP26 with like the Just Transition panels and it was all hosted by unions. They were all, not just on like retro, on like everything, like they were super keen there's research they're doing into climate jobs and they're kind of like what can we do and when I like explain to a union rep like okay here's the scale of the retrofit challenge because like, I just like boys like this is why we're not being told this like this is this is jobs for decades this is jobs for generation upon generation and why are we not why is this not being introduced so it's like tenants unions and trade unions well, te- well renting tenants unions trade unions and there's big changes happening at the moment because of like union power getting like winning steps and so it's 
socialisation around like architectural construction. Like you don't just wade in unless you're on a panel. Mm-hmm. And especially like the fact like yeah, I'm gonna have to just push or raise hands more often. But it's it does it does feel as if the what's happening is incredible. But it does feel that the kind of the technical thinking is winning over social today. Like the first bit, amazing. Like first panel and fantastically good but as soon as we get into the industry bit it gets back to that technocratic I guess it's why it's all in the same tent all the, the social yeah. and the technical mm. trying to guess trying to bridge that gap yeah I think I'm going to invite that yeah. I was going to ask people to use their imagination but I'm probably going to invite what are we not talking about and just like I'm going to start off with unpopular ones and see what comes out. I've been, I thought I've got time to play with, and I think yeah. it's probably... You made me think that next time we run one of these, we could have like um, some elephants cut out, and yeah. be like, what's the elephants in the room, guys? What I are we think... not talking about in this, yeah. in this, in this, in this space? Because I think what's not talked about in terms of... Like, the financial part was incredible, yeah. but I'm not... I have no background in it, so very much a little bit over the head, but it was like, there's, yeah. there's money for borders, militaries, hostile environments, like fossil fuels but like we're not talking about the kind of it's like it's not just we don't just need them we don't it's not just write to your mp and say this it's like they've been lobbied yeah we know for a fact that it's already it's like it's, it's captured democracy it's not yeah. properly representative yeah. and we need to start talking to that more and just it's not a it's not it's not impartial yeah it's, it's not non-biased it's very much biased and things won't change until we start talking to that so I was very happy, like resistance and stuff got brought up. But I could yeah. probably go on for hours. Yeah, so. and I'm very glad I've bumped into you <laughs> um, as the first person. Uh, for me, uh, if you look for the Anthropocene Architecture School, and if you're interested in the uh, tenants' unions in Scotland, look for Living Rent. Living Rent do incredible work there. They're looking for a just transition for tenants. Uh, but also linking up with trade unions, so they're not coming at it from just us. They're like, who is coming with us? So that's probably another, and yeah, on the architectural side, the Architects Women Action Network probably should have entered to work for them to okay. not work, more coordinate bits and pieces. And that's how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so. more than happy to as well. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs>